Today's reading is from Luke 11, verses 1 to 13. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, let me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me, the door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, uh, Daniel, for reading for us. Let's pray as we come to God's word this evening. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you are Father God to us and that you give good gifts. You give the Holy Spirit to those who ask you. And so now we ask, Lord, that you would Send your Holy Spirit amongst us that we might hear and understand, Jesus, what you are teaching us just as you taught your disciples. And would you grow in us a spirit of prayer that we might see that more and more at work in our lives and we might know you more deeply. Just pray for these this. Uh, the ink on this page, these words that have been, uh, that I've prepared uh, to speak. Lord, breathe your spirit and uh, would you speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as uh, Jonathan introduced, we are um, kind of number two uh, in a series that we're doing this term uh, in, at the evening service, uh, looking at following Jesus in the Gospel of Luke specifically, and we're going to be kind of tracing along different kind of themes, either in Jesus' life, kind of what he did, or his teaching. And actually, in this passage, we kind of get a bit of both. So we're going to be looking at uh, what it means to to kind of to follow Jesus, to be an apprentice of Jesus, or to be a disciple of Jesus. Now, last week, uh, Jonathan kicked us off. We looked at Jesus' baptism and the sense that all that 
uh, that Jesus said and did in his ministry kind of flowed from the Father's love that was declared over him and the Holy Spirit who was with him. And now we're kind of launching in, jumping ahead a little bit um, in Luke, so chapter 11. If you've got a Bible with you or on a device, I encourage you to, uh, to get it out and, and track along with us as we make our way through um, this passage. And I want, just want to, I've got three simple points I want to kind of draw out uh, from this passage. The first is that prayer is caught. Caught, not taught. Now I realize that might be a, a funny thing to say because it says that Jesus taught his disciples this prayer. But, it, uh, but really, I believe Jesus is actually wanting us to kind of catch a spirit of prayer. Um, now that phrase, prayer is caught, not taught, I actually, um, I heard uh, when I was at New Wine. So we mentioned New Wine, uh, the summer festivals, um, early this service. Um, I used to, in my old church, and Holly and I were at our church in Oxford, uh, we used to serve each year on a team um, which, which uh, kind of ran this like, prayer and worship kind of tent um, at New Wine. It was called Hungry. And it was amazing, T- took a week off work and got to go and, um, you know, everything from kind of standing on the doors to doing coffees to kind of leading prayers. Um, it was a place where the kind of idea was there was prayer and praise kind of happening pretty much the whole day. And you could kind of drop in, drop out. And something that one of the speakers said really resonated with me, that prayer is caught, not taught. It's about the how rather than the what. It's, it's an attitude rather than the form. It's not, that's not to say that the words that we say are unimportant. And you know, we have the Lord's Prayer. We just prayed it together. And all that is in that Lord's Prayer kind of is the whole school of prayer. Is there so much depth. But the heart behind what we say is, is essential. And I want to suggest that Prayer is contagious. Uh, Unlike Omicron, however, if you catch it, it will enrich your life. It will open up your life more and more. Uh, It will heal your life. Have you caught the gift of prayer? And how about us being spreaders of prayer uh, to others? What I find really fascinating about uh, Luke's approach to Jesus teaching uh, the Lord's Prayer, of course, it's a little bit different to the one we just prayed, isn't it? Because the Lord's Prayer appears also in Matthew's Gospel and is a bit longer there. But something that's really interesting here is that Jesus is actually asked, what should we pray? And he responds to that by telling them. But actually, Jesus has been leading by example, teaching by example in prayer, all through Luke's gospel, up to this point and beyond. So let's have a little look at that now. We're going to kind of skate through different references to prayer. Jonathan did touch on this last week, but I think it's so important for today that we're going to do it again. Now, Luke has been described as the gospel writer of prayer, more than the, more than the other three gospel writers. It's a massive theme, and you often see Jesus praying. We saw it at our first verse tonight, didn't we? One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. That's the kind of the scene is set. Jesus is praying. But Jesus 
through Luke's gospel, we often see him praying by himself. So chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Um, In chapter 9, verse 18, once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them. He prays at his baptism in chapter 3. As he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. Before Jesus chose his 12 disciples, he was up all night praying. Chapter 6, verse 12. One of, the, on one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. At his transfiguration, the transfiguration was, that happened at a prayer retreat. Chapter 9, verse 28, about eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up on a mountain to pray. And not only does Jesus pray a lot, we see him at prayer in Luke's gospel, he also teaches about prayer all the time. So in chapter 6, he says, pray for your enemies, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Chapter 10, uh, he says, pray for more helpers. The harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. Chapter 18, Jesus says, he tells them a parable. And Luke says that he tells them this to show that they should always pray and not give up. And it's such a key uh, verse from Luke's gospel on prayer. He tells a parable about the Pharisee and the tax collector. Both of them are praying. Um, He says, pray about the end times. Chapter 21, be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen. And finally, pray against temptation. Chapter 22, pray that you will not fall into temptation. So Jesus is always kind of praying or talking about prayer, it seems, in Luke's gospel. It's a really key theme. And so it's no accident that we have our passage tonight, where he teaches the Lord's Prayer and then explains a bit more about this attitude of prayer, how to pray. And we get a simple Lord's Prayer. So if we look at verses 2 to 4, this is the Lord's Prayer we get in Luke. When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins For we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. I really feel that there's a real focus here on the attitude of prayer and the idea that the way we pray should be reflective of the way we live. Just want to just draw out just a few quick things from the prayer here. First is Father. And behind the the word there is the Aramaic word, Abba, which is kind of like English daddy or papa. Um, It's one of the first words that you learned um, as a child in first century Palestine. And it was a term of great kind of intimacy and respect and knowing that you were loved. And uh, this is all through the New Testament. So Paul picks up on this in Romans as the spirit you receive doesn't make you slaves so you live in fear. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father. And this all comes from Jesus' teaching on prayer. Now I realize you, know, um, you may have a kind of complicated or difficult 
uh, relationship with your earthly father or earthly parents. And it's important to say that God is not like the parents we have in this life, you know, our kind of biological um, parents. God the Father will never let you down. Um, he'll never harm you. He wants nothing more than for you to know his love for you. And so we pray, Father, at the start of our prayers. Pray as a beloved child of God. That's what Jesus is saying here. Secondly, we pray, your kingdom come. Now in Jesus, this idea of the, the kingdom of God has like been inaugurated um, in the world. And it's advancing across the world. And it's finally going to be fulfilled when Jesus returns. And so when we pray, we pray in that recognition that God reigns over the world, that God has purposes that he's accomplishing in the world. And we pray, Lord, would your kingdom come? Would we be part of that? Would you align my heart with yours? And thirdly, to draw it here, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. This idea that even as we ask God to forgive our wrongs, and you know, we confessed earlier in the service, didn't we? Even as we do that, our heart should be releasing those who have wronged us. Those two have to go together because it comes from that heart of prayer. And it says everyone. That's not just the people we like. It's not just people at church. Everyone who sinned against us, we need to be ready to let go and forgive them just as God forgives us. It's a tough calling, but that's what Jesus calls us to. So we pray having forgiven others. How can we catch the spirit of prayer then? Well, there's a few practical things we can do. We can, if we're, you know, we can join a small group at church. We can get into a, a prayer triplet or quads, join with a, a small group of people to, to pray together and encourage each other uh, to catch that spirit of prayer. Or you could ask someone who's older and wiser than you in the faith to just go for a coffee with them. I think that's one of the best things I've done in my walk with Jesus was to, uh, to pluck up the courage to ask this old saint in my old church if I could just spend some time with him. And of course, as, uh, if you're a student here, you know, we'd love to connect you uh, with a mentor. Uh, there's plenty of people in the church who would love to come alongside you um, for that. And of course, as well as those things, we can ask God. Ask God, fill me with a spirit of prayer. Which brings us to the second point. So prayer is caught. Secondly, prayer is bold. So after Jesus, he's kind of sketched this simple template of prayer, and then he shifts from, okay, the what to the how. And he tells a story. Um, now, it's really tricky uh, for us to understand this story because so much of the context in the first century world is kind of lost on us. Um, and also, the way the Greek is written, it's quite difficult to kind of keep up. <laughs> um, but the point was absolutely obvious uh, to his hearers. And also, it's meant to be funny. It's meant to be like a funny story because it's so obvious. So I want to try and unravel it a little bit to see um, if we can get at the, the kind of the center of it. But the headline is that we can and should approach God boldly in prayer. Ask him for things confidently and boldly. 
So let's have a look uh, from verse 5. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer them. So there's the idea here, there's an unexpected visitor who needs looking after. And firstly, there's no food. Now, in the, it might surprise you to hear this, but in the first century world, in Palestine, um, there were no corner shops, um, no 24-hour supermarkets, Deliveroo had not yet caught on. Um, you know, you, baked, you baked enough bread each day for what you needed, and you ate it all, and then it was gone, and you started again the next day, which is partly why you have that praying for our daily bread. We get it each day, and then it's gone. It doesn't have preservatives in it. It won't last more than a day. And so this idea, okay, that all the food is midnight, and all the food is gone. And secondly, there's a, there's a culture of hospitality, a very strong culture of hospitality that's operative here. You were required to give food uh, to your visitor, especially after they've been um, you know, traveling all day. They didn't get to sit in the car. They've been on a long, tiring journey, um, and they've, it's led them to arrive at midnight. So they've been traveling for a very long time. And this kind of culture of hospitality, it's kind of just something that was baked into kind of what you did and thought. It's a bit like for British people at a bus stop. You know, we, we queue up, and, or at least we're, we're all aware of our place in the queue, no matter where we're kind of standing. It's just what you do. You know, it, it makes sense for, for each person. It's kind of the common good. There's that kind of thing that's, that's going on here. If you get a visitor, you have to feed them. You know, sometimes it's inconvenient, but it's just what you do. And it makes sense for us as well, doesn't it? I mean, if you, if you had a friend who's uh, visiting you, they've been traveling all day, haven't had a chance to eat, you know, all the shops are closed, you wouldn't just go, all right, you know, here's where you're sleeping, off to bed, and see you in the morning, would you? No, of course you wouldn't. You'd feed them. You'd, you know, you'd give them what they needed. The only difference is, in 21st century Leamington, I can get a pizza out of the freezer, and we're good. <laughs> that wasn't possible here. So, verse 7, suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed, I can't get up and give you anything. So as well as the unexpected visitor, we have an inconvenient time. Uh, firstly, it's midnight. Now, there's no electricity uh, in uh, this story. You went to sleep in the ancient world at dusk when the sun went down, so um, you'd be asleep by now. Uh, if, if we were in that time, and you got up at dawn. So like midnight is right in the middle of the night. I guess it's a, maybe akin to like 3 a.m. for us, you know, right in the middle, the most inconvenient time to get up. And then secondly, this, there's this phrase of, my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Uh, in the average first century house in Palestine, there was only one room, and you slept all together. So if you got up, then everyone gets up with you. Um, and, I mean, we don't, you don't have to be a parent to, to kind of imagine the kind of distress that might cause um, if you've got young children who, you've just managed, or who are sleeping peacefully um, to wake them up and disturb them. And yet, 
Verse 8, I tell you, even though he'll not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. And this is the point where we can kind of maybe miss the punchline, because we think, okay, so because he disturbed him, because we disturbed the neighbor, um, he's going to give us what we want. Jesus' whole point is that this scenario would never happen. Because the neighbor would never say no. The idea of the, the neighbor saying this excuse just wouldn't happen. It's really inconvenient, yes, but they would get up and give you all that you needed. Now, I was chatting to Holly about this um, this week, just kind of talking through what I was, what I was uh, getting from the passage. And she shared a story which she gave me permission to, um, to share now, because I think it really helps to draw out what's going on here. When Holly, my wife, was um, studying at uni, um, she lived in a house. Her housemates were also students, and her mum was coming to visit. So they needed. You know, so she needed to kind of tidy things up, ready for the, her mother's visit. Only problem was, they didn't own a vacuum cleaner. I don't know if I mean the students here tonight. I don't know if you have a vacuum cleaner, um, but they didn't have one. And so Holly, in her desperation, went, you know, knocked on her neighbor's door, um, who weren't students, and said, I'm really sorry, here's the situation, can I borrow your vacuum cleaner, please? It was a very odd request, and she could tell that, these, that her neighbors were, didn't really want to give it to her, but because it was just the common, decent thing to do, they gave it. You know, they let her borrow their vacuum cleaner because of her boldness at going. They obviously weren't going to say no. They were going to do the right thing and give it to her. And so, actually, Holly's boldness there paid off. And our boldness in prayer for God pays off. Because God isn't a sleepy, grumpy neighbor. He wants to, he wants to, uh, to hear our prayers. He wants to... Um, he wants to give us those good things. He wants to give us the Holy Spirit. He just wants us to ask him for things. And so Jesus wants us to have that boldness like the, the friend at midnight did, to go around and ask for something, confident that despite the circumstances, it would be given to him. And I wonder, do you ever feel that in prayer, perhaps God is just too busy to... Uh, to give you what you want or, or hear from you? Do you ever feel like there's so many other things in the world that are so much, so much more important than my own needs for God? Or do you ever feel like God doesn't want to answer your prayer, you know, perhaps because of our circumstances or something in our past or something, you know, something going on in our heart? God is our heavenly Father. You know, he's always eager to hear from us. So let's be bold and come to him in prayer and share what's on our hearts and ask for what we need and would like. So we catch the spirit of prayer. Prayer is bold. And thirdly, prayer is answered. In verse 9, Jesus goes on. He says, I say to you, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. And the the sense of the, the Greek, which is what the New Testament is originally written in here, is not just like a one-time thing, but like a habit, a habitual lifestyle of asking. 
That's what Jesus wants. He wants us to have a to live like an asking lifestyle in our relationship with God. It's not just like kind of ask me once, um, like when you email a kind of help desk thing and you like you know you get your ticket comes back and it's like don't ask again because you'll just get given another ticket and it'll take longer. Jesus, uh, Jesus and God the Father are not um, a heavenly IT help desk. You know, God wants to, uh, God longs for us to have that attitude of prayer uh, where we come before him, not just once, but as a habit. But secondly, it's not about just like persisting until you get through or knocking on the door, kind of knocking the door down, hammering on the door until you get an answer. We should remember that Jesus says in Matthew, you know, don't babble like the pagans. They think they'll be heard because of their many words. We're not talking about kind of biting God's ear off um, when we say a kind of habit of prayer, habit of asking. But rather, this is an invitation to a, like a childlike relationship with God, our Father, you know, who we can trust, who we can know is going to hear us and respond to us. And God will answer our prayers And he loves to do it by sending us the Holy Spirit. So verse 13, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And many of us are going to have things that we long for God to do in our own lives, in the lives of others. There might be things that we have been living that asking lifestyle perhaps for years, for many years. And in every situation, we can be encouraged that God does come to be with us. He sends his Holy Spirit to us if we ask. Holy Spirit, God, the third person of the Trinity, the comforter, the one who guides us, the one who counsels us, the one who lets us know God's presence with us. So, I just want to encourage us and encourage myself. Let's not neglect to ask God to send his spirit to help us in those situations. Let's not kind of miss the obvious, asking for something very specific, but not asking God, just come and fill me with your spirit and show me your heart and your perspective on this situation. And so it's not that God is necessarily saying no to our prayer requests when it's something that we, we really long for him to do and we don't see but it is that he's, he's offering us something that is really good, of infinite value, which is his presence by his Holy Spirit. So, um, coming to the end now. Prayer is caught, not taught. Prayer is bold and prayer is answered. So, here's my encouragement. Let's follow Jesus in prayer this year, this term. You know, let's open ourselves up more and more to just receiving his spirit of prayer, his perspective. Let's, let's see prayer as a kind of attitude, a habit of our lives as we follow Jesus. What I want to do now is just to leave a bit of space um, for us to pray. So I actually encourage, I encourage you to stand. Um, and we're just going to have a moment now just to, just to respond, really, and to to ask the Lord to, to minister to us. And you, you might find it helpful to stand kind of with, with hands out, 
expectant to receive from God. It might be that the idea of perhaps catching that spirit of prayer is something that you um, would love to have more and more in your life. And so, uh, Lord, I just pray for each one of us that we would, yeah, we would truly catch the spirit of prayer. That we would know it uh, in our daily lives with you. You deepen our relationship with you. That you'd remove any barriers that have been put up by ourselves or others. Pray, would you help us to kind of take take a risk in prayer, to step out in faith and to trust you. And also maybe that the idea of kind of asking for something boldly in prayer is something that resonates with you. So I wonder, is, let's just have a space. You know, what's on your heart that you would love to ask God for? Maybe it's something in particular that perhaps you haven't articulated to him before or you haven't asked for a long time. Yeah, Lord, we just offer you the things that are on our hearts and we pray confidently and boldly that you will send your Holy Spirit into this situation that's on our hearts. May we know more and more the the presence of your spirit with us as we follow you, Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to uh, sing our final song now, so I invite you